Live from the summit in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Gore presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Bill Puma and Hunter Marquard. Today's topic, having it all with talent. All right. So we've been through four classes. I've got more tactics than I've ever needed in my life. I was in the money class. They must ask 50 questions. We did an advanced money class. Y'all like that class, that money class? Learn a lot. Had a good time. Uh, had a good lunch. Now, I'm going to tell you the agenda for the last part of the day. I love a little inspiration. I love to hear stories, rags to riches. I used to bring in outsiders that had a rags to riches story. And then I found out some of them weren't really rich. They just had the rags part down pat. And it's like... <laughs> I brought in some authors, and then when I researched them, they're broke. They never had a job. Their only career was writing this book and selling this book. So it, I kind of got discouraged, and so I said, you know what? I'm just going to bring two of my coaches up every time, give them a half hour, tell them their journey, let them share some of their tactics that have been like defining moments in their life. So I got a, I got a realtor coach, I got a lender coach in. What we do every Saturday is the 44 coaches vote who they want to see. So the 44 coaches in May voted that they wanted to see these guys. So these guys are super popular amongst the coaches. They do a great job. So I'm going to tell you about this first coach we're going to learn about. I met Phil Puma locally in North Carolina. He was a $10 million realtor, very busy, very charming, very amazing. So how many of you feel you have really good sales skills? You're really personable, charming, people like you. And that wasn't very many. Okay, wow. I would have thought more of you thought you were really charming. What the hell? I'm not really charming. So if you're all like me, well, that's probably why, you, why you're my students. You're like me. You're not that charming. So this guy is super charming. I met him. He's doing 10 million. I was doing a realtor lunch and learn. He came up to me after the lunch and learn. He said, could I buy you lunch? Imagine that, Jeremy, a realtor bought a lender lunch. I was, I'm like, I'm really happy about this. So we started talking. He started coming around. I started locally coaching him, trading him for loans. He came to a summit. He became a level three. He blew up. And I think we've been together. Do we have 10 years together, Phil? Close to 10 years together. He went from 10 million to 150 million. He's the number one realtor in the state of North Carolina. He's got a smaller buyer agent team, like maybe four or five buyer agents, probably got a dozen assistants. He just does a great job. He, I will tell you realtors, the number one thing that I make him do, two things that I'm going to start off that I make him do for the realtors. Number one, I make him come to my office every quarter and buy my team lunch and talk for 10 minutes. So you realtors find some local business people with 50 to 100 employees and you say, hey, I'd like to come buy your team pizza. All bosses want their team fed and I want to talk for 10 minutes about home ownership. Every time Phil comes in and does that, he gets at least three or four deals. So I want you to find 10 local business owners with 50 employees. Say, hey, I'm a really good realtor. I'd like to help your people have home ownership. All employers want their team's home ownership. I'll buy lunch. So that's one tactic that I make him do that I think is very important. I think lenders can teach that. Realtors can do that. That's like a no-brainer. So I'm sure he's going to give you lots of little nuggets that you can either use as a realtor or teach your realtors what to do. But listen, got a very good family. Him and his wife are super connected. He's got two great teenagers. Uh, he's a pillar of the community. He coaches lacrosse for his kids and other kids. His wife coaches the local cheerleading team. I mean, they are all into their community. And he does a great job. And he works probably about 45 hours a week and probably puts up 300 sides a year. So I'm not talking about 100 
million five deals. I'm talking about 300, 320 deals a year. He has a great business. We love have him on the team. For those of you that have had him as a coach, he's a great coach. For those of you that are going to get him, he's a great coach. My man, Phil Puma. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So, I'm going to start with this. I know Rick talked about my numbers and talked about how good I am. I want to tell you this. I am super normal. I'm super normal. So I know if I can do this and have it all with balance, I know you guys can. I know you guys see us up here and think we're superhuman. All right? I'm just normal. All right? So I'm going to start with my journey. Tell you a little bit about me, about my family. All right? I am just super normal. So I know if I can do this, anyone can do this. All right? You can have balance. You can have it all with balance. So, I grew up in a very blue-collar family. My parents immigrated over from Italy. Yes, they came over on the boat to New York. My dad was a steel mill worker, worked his butt off. He taught me really how to work hard, just bust my butt, really work hard, to the point where when I was in college, he made me come back every summer and work in the steel mill to make sure that I knew what it was like to work hard so that I would stay in school and succeed in life since he didn't have that opportunity. He also taught me how to save money. He was really conservative. Then he teach me how to invest. I learned that later here at the core. But really taught me how to save and really live super tight. All right. My mom, she was a hairstylist. She had a little shop in the basement of our house. She really was one of these people, obviously Italian, so there was always food. There's always food at our house. Anyone that came, she would feed everyone. So I learned how to feed everyone. And I learned about relationships. She just like loves everyone to the point where... People would come get their hair done, and she would have pastries and coffee. They would just, like, stay at her house all day. They would stay at her house all day. So I learned how to feed people and take care of them from my mom. Um, she is out there, like, referring me crazy people. Her, her English is not perfect, really thick Italian accent, but she can get me some business. She will track anyone down in the grocery store and refer people to me. She's talking to everybody. I then went off to college. All right, I was the first in my family to go to college. My dad wanted to make sure that's what we did. So I went off to college. At college, I just learned how to learn, right? Learned so much more here, but just learned how to learn. Had some fun, too. Had some fun. My daughter, Gianna, is back there. She's going to be going to college. So make sure you learn a lot and just a little bit of fun. A little bit of fun. Not too much. Any advice on that, please just catch up with me after this and let me know. We got our first going to college. So after college, moved out of New York, moved down to North Carolina. In North Carolina... I became a lender. Yes, I was a lender first. I was a lender first. All right. So I became a lender. I was working online lender leads. I was busting my butt calling these leads like crazy because I knew how to work hard. I just put my head down and I was just calling these really cold leads. One thing that irritated me was that I had this relationship over the phone. Then they would meet a realtor. And that realtor would pull them over and say, hey, come here with my lender. All right. And I would lose that deal. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get the lead at the source and become a realtor. So that's why I switched. I just so wish I would have met Rick back then because I now know how much money you guys, you lenders make. And I would have just stayed as a lender. (laughs) That was a big mistake. So I switched over into real estate. I still was working old, or I'm sorry, cold leads. I was working online leads. Um, but with those online leads, 
like Rick said, I just love to meet with people, sell, super charming. So I was converting leads. Um, my business grew and continued to grow to the point where my wife was able to leave her banking job and stay home with the kids. All right. Stay home with the kids while I was continuing to grow my business. From her banking background, she was always on me about my numbers. Like, what is your net percentage? What are your projections? What's your conversion? You know, my mentality is like, just leave me alone. We're making money. Everything's fine. You know, I'm like, fly out of the seat of my pants. I'll get it done. Just leave me alone. And most of you know her. She's super tough. Me and my son, Matthew, he's back there too. So always talk about how mean she is. We have some other choice words we'll keep between us. So we won't tell anyone else about that. Um, but she kept up with me on my numbers. And again, I was always like, this is going to be fine. I'm making money. We have money. We have a good life. Leave me alone. I will figure this thing out. Until the mortgage meltdown happened. 2008, 2010. My business literally came down to a halting. Nothing. Because all I had was these cold clients. Obviously, the market just was destroyed. She had to go back to work. She had to go back to work into banking. I was still doing my thing. Obviously, we, I know, for, for sure, I didn't have much time for the kids at that point. I'm just trying to grow my business, was doing everything I could. Wasn't there to tuck them in. Wasn't there at dinner. Was not fun. I continued to increase my business. She continued to advance at the bank, became senior vice president. Um, so she was growing in her career. I was growing in mine. But I was still working 75 plus hours. 75 plus hours. I was at this glass ceiling. I could not break past 10 million. I just thought it was impossible. There's no way they can do it. And then I meet Rick Ruby. I'm just fortunate enough to be in the same hometown as Rick. So I go to this lunch and learn. I meet Rick. I hear him on stage. I'm like, this dude is nuts. This guy is crazy. But... He knew what he was talking about. He was super passionate. And I said, I need this. I need to change my life. I'm working way too many hours. I don't see my kids. I have to change that. So what I did was, right after that, I went up to him. Say, Rick, can I take you to lunch? He said, sure. I was so shocked. I was like, literally, this super rich guy is going to go to lunch with me. So I take him to lunch. And everyone who knows me knows that I literally know almost everyone in my town. It actually irritates him. He hates being anywhere with me. But, so, I go to lunch with him at one of my buddy's restaurants. So we're there. And literally, and in the restaurant, he's yelling at me. Yelling at me in the restaurant. I'm like, I'm like trying to hide. I'm like, who is looking at me? Oh my God. It was like, oh. But, he still, I still took so many tactics down. I was like, you know what? I called him back after, said, thank you very much for meeting for lunch. Can we meet again? But can it be in your office this time and not for lunch? <laughs> so I met him in his office. He said, bring your P&L. Bring, I was like, P&L? I got into a P&L? So I spent so much time doing my P&L. I go into his office. I was super proud. Like, I was like, this thing is dialed in. He is going to like be like, you are the man. Like, this is great. I put it on his desk. He looks at it for like 30 seconds, crumbles it up, throws it in the trash. That's not a P&L. He runs through how to do a P&L. So that was the first major thing that I learned. All right. How to do a P&L, how to do it properly. 
you have to do a P&L. That's the difference between a real estate agent and a business person. You have to do that P&L. Told my wife about it. Obviously, she was super proud. She's like, yes, you're finally doing something about this. So I started doing my P&L. Then, like Rick said, came to the first summit. How many first-time summit attendees in here again? Raise your hand. Every one of you, don't do what I did. I came here, took all these notes, said I can do this on my own. I can figure it out. I'm super motivated. I'll get it done. All right? So I, I went home, started implementing stuff, came back to my second summit six months later, talking to all the cool people and fun buddies that I met, and I'm like super proud about my numbers. Theirs just surpassed me. Everyone who signed up was just crushing me. It was unbelievable. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I thought I could do this on my own. but realized I couldn't. But that big number was still, that's a lot of money. So I called my wife. I said, what do you think I should do? She's like, you need this. You need to sign up. You need someone to hold you accountable. You just fly by the seat of your pants. You do the P&L sometimes. You don't do it all the time. You don't track your numbers. You need someone to hold you accountable to be on your numbers. So I signed up. So I wanted to say to my wife, thank you very much for having me sign up and supporting me. She's back there too, so thank you very much. So I sign up for coaching. I'm still spending a ton of money on cold leads. I was thinking at the time I was spending $15,000 in Zillow leads. All right. But for me, I couldn't let go of that. Even though I was going over the budget and they were trying to get, I just couldn't let go. I was like, these buyers and sellers are ready now. They're raising their hands saying, I want to buy and sell. I could not let that go. I could not let that go. And I'm like, I had a, a bunch of previous clients that have been doing this a while. But I'm like, you know what? I took such great care of them and I am the man. So they're just going to call me back. They're just going to call me back. I don't have to do anything. I took great care of them. They're going to call me back while I'm working with all these other cold buyer leads. Well, until one day I'm driving down the road, had these cold buyers in my car and I'm looking, I'm like, that's one of my previous clients. That's another realtor sign in the yard. How many has had that happen to them? How many realtors have had that happen? How many lenders have had that happen to their realtors, right? I was so pissed off. How could they do that to me? That was ridiculous. I took great care of them. You know what? It was my fault. I took them for granted. Do not take your previous clients for granted. That was the second thing I learned from the core. All right? To transition my business from a transitional cold business to a warm referred business, right? We have to have referred warm business. That's the only way. Can I get the slide to work? There we go. That is the only way that you're going to have a long lasting business, business with strong relationships. So I learned how to have a relationship based business. That was the second main thing that I learned. So how do we do that? How do we have a relationship based business? So there's a list of things that I do. Again, if you know me, I love to have fun. I love to hang out. So happy hours is first on my list. So we'll start with happy hours. I love to have happy hours. I know so many people out there are like, well, I don't know. What if nobody shows up? I don't really want to do this. And who do I invite? Just do it. 
Just do it. I had same concerns. My concerns was, did I miss someone? I love everyone. I would literally invite every one of you to my happy hour if I could. Like, I would invite everyone to my happy hour. But you have to have a list, right? I know Rick likes, you know, 10 to 15 nice, quaint happy hours. I push the number a little bit, 20, 40, sometimes 60. So I like a little bit bigger parties. When I first started, I had no drink limit, no drink tickets, like drink as much as you want, no start time, no end time, until people started to get drunk. I changed it. Now I do exactly what Rick says. Two drink tickets. Two drink tickets. Have some appetizers. Have a start time and an end time. They still have a lot of fun. It's still a great time. All right? So that is what happy hours look like. Have them monthly. I know COVID has changed a lot of things. Get back to it. If you got away from that, have happy hours. All right? Next thing, quarterly client events. I love having events. All right? We just recently had one. We rented a club level area in our minor league baseball area. We got took care of the tickets. We took care of the food. Um, we took care of non-alcoholic drinks. The alcoholic drinks were on them because that's a long time to pay for alcoholic drinks. Super fun time. We had 300 people at it. It was great. It was super fun until actually they were um, one of the, the, the staff people was were throwing balls out to like the lower level, you know, and it looks like a softball. So I, like I'm up on the club level and I like, put my hand up here and like throw it up here, throw it up here. So he winds up. And before before I start the story, I'm a lacrosse guy. I usually need my stick to catch something. Right? So I put my hand up. I thought it was a softball. Literally chucks it from the field, hits my hand. It's a real baseball. Hits one of my clients in the head. <laughs> He's okay. He's okay. But everything went well. It was super fun. Um, it was a great time. I'm just, I just know next time, next time I will not ask for them to throw the baseball to me. But have events, have fun, hang out with your clients. One other thing we do, we have a big fall festival. We have a live band. We have beer vendors, we have food, we have jumpies. I love, when I have quarterly events, I love inviting the whole family, right? People love when you help and invite their kids, right? Invite their kids. I love having that. That's one of the other events that we have. Um, we have a pumpkin pie. Um, we have a, um, a pumpkin patch. Um, we do that. We do Easter egg. We do Santa and a movie. So we rent out the whole movie theater. We have different movies going on for different age groups of kids. We have Santa there. They can take pictures with Santa. All right. They don't have to go wait in the mall line. That's one of the other events. So I talked about pumpkin pie. Right now we're doing pumpkin pie giveaway. Clients can register, come pick up their pumpkin pie. How I learned about the pumpkin pie. So I had a client that I was going to list her house in October. And they said, hey, you're our guy. We're just going to wait after the holidays. I didn't ink up the listing. I did not sign up the listing. So I called them in January. I said, hey, you ready? Holidays are over. They said, well, we got something to tell you, Phil. You're our guy. But our previous realtor invited us to go pick up a pumpkin pie. <laughs> so we went to pick up the pumpkin pie. And he unfortunately invited us into his office. And we decided to list with him. So now I do pumpkin pie giveaways. <laughs> and, and... I sign up listings immediately. I literally do not leave that listing appointment. They literally have to kick me out. They have to kick me out. I will ask them so many times to sign that, that listing agreement before I get kicked out. All right, so there's some events we do. We mail monthly. We mail the evidence success letter of the heart. So evidence success, what is that? All right, that is your time to flex your muscles and tell everyone how great you are. All right, I sold this house in X amount of days. I sold it for... X amount over appraised value. 
All right. I had multiple offers. I got my buyer into this house, multiple offers. So talk about all the great things you do on my evidence of success. I always have a testimonial. Also, if you're not having a testimonial on your evidence of success, add a testimonial on there. So the client saying really great things about you also. So I mailed that monthly. Then a letter of the heart. And for me, a letter of the heart is very similar to a social media post. All right. We already said how great we are with the evidence of success. Now we have to let them know we're human. We had the same issues, the same problems that they have. They need to realize we have to relate to them with this letter of the heart. And I know a lot of people are just in their head about doing this letter of the heart. Just do it. Just do it. I get more feedback on my letter of the heart than I do anything else. Anything else. Just do it. All right. Well, right now, I mean, just it needs to be about your life. Right now, my daughter's looking at colleges. So I talk about looking at colleges and all the, the visits that we've been going on. I ask them for any advice, just like I did for you guys. You will get people to reach out to you. Hey, I had the same struggle. This is what you need to do. All right? Talk about that. I talked about struggling. Rick talked about us coaching our kids' sports. We talked about the struggles and how we had to adapt through COVID. All right? That was another letter of the heart. We talked about when COVID first hit and literally we could not leave the house and had to show the house. I was going stir crazy. I told everyone how stir crazy. They knew I liked to be. If I had to literally stay home and couldn't leave the house... It was the worst thing ever. All right. But I talked about the positives and the great family time that we had. All right. We did more fire pits, more bike rides, more board games. So talk about your life. That's what the letter of the heart is. All right. Birthday program. Have it for your previous clients. I know so many of you don't have it for your previous clients. You need a birthday program. So for me, for my birthday program, I call everyone on the list to the point Where I have some people, when I call them, they're like, you call me every year before my own mom. Call them on their birthday. Honor it. They love it. They will never hang up on you. And they will love that you call them on their birthday. I send them either a birthday card or some type of gift, depending on what level they are. So have it dialed in. If you don't have a birthday program, go home and just have your team implement one right away. Calls. We do need to reach out to them. Reach out to your previous clients. Here in the core for realtors, on Thursday, we call our previous clients. We take a last letter letter of their last name every Thursday, and we call them. All right, so you call your A's one week, your B's next week, and so on and so forth. So you'll call your previous clients twice a year on the call day, and then you're going to call them for their birthday. You're going to call them on their anniversary. There's another one I have up there. Call on their anniversary. So you make those phone calls, all right? To make those phone calls, your team has to have the list ready for you. Print it out. And call it from top to bottom. Don't pick the super fun name. Oh, that's going to be an easy one. And this one over here is cool. Call them all from top to bottom. Just get it done. Get it off the list. Move on. What do you say on these calls? Ford, family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. Just have a conversation with them on these calls. There is no previous client that's going to tell you not to call them. They love when you call them. They love when you call them. On this call, too, you have to ask for referrals. You need to program your previous clients for referrals. All right? That's what you need to do on that call. Next is videos. You need to send videos to your database. So I think your videos need to be some real estate and mortgage content, but it also needs to be some other just fun stuff. 
I know Rick does Fun Friday. So I do real estate market updates, but I also do some other stuff. I love sports. So right now, I am doing a ESPN fantasy pick'em. So every week, I remind my clients to go on ESPN on our group site and pick every game. Whoever wins that week, I donate $200 to their charity, and I talk about it the next week on the video. I love sports. I do that for March Madness. All right, do that for March Madness, too. So do some super fun videos, whatever you like. All right, whatever you like, make it fun. At the end of every month, I go through our list of all of our referrals and thank them. So Rick invites all the people that have referred someone here to honor them here. I honor them in a video to my entire database. So they get their name read saying, hey, thank you very much for referring us. And I read down all the names. They love it. And if they don't hear their name, they might want to refer you someone the next month. So if you're not doing that, thank your people publicly, just like Rick does. I went back and implemented that after the last summit. All right, make sure you're doing that on your videos. So change up your videos. Um, we do just other videos. We do a, um, we haven't seen your house since you moved in. If you've done a renovation, please tag us on social media. We're going to have a, you know, design your house contest and we donate money to charity. So have just other fun videos. doesn't need to be all about real estate. All right. So my business started to increase just from this. All right. Just from this number two tactic that I learned how to do the P&L. Learned how to build relationships. But what wasn't changing was my hours. I was still working a ton of hours. All right? A ton of hours. So what really changed that is having a strong team. So to be able to have a balanced life and change your hours, you need a strong team. You need a strong team. I still remember I would go to Rick and his question would always be, how much 15 an hour clerical work did you do today? And literally every time, a lot. It was a lot. I was still working so many hours, still didn't see the family. I didn't have a balanced life because I didn't have a team. It was just me. And I added more business from the relationships, right? So he would get on me. But again, like I mentioned, I grew up blue collar. That was a lot of money to spend 30 to 40 grand to hire an employee. I couldn't get that in the mindset. I didn't learn it in college. How to be a business owner. I obviously didn't learn it in real estate school. I learned it here at the core of how to hire, get my mindset right. I saw that employee as an expense and not an asset. And, I, and Rick broke it down really easy. Hey, it's not 30 to 40 grand a month. That's $3,000. $3,000 a month. It's not the whole year. Don't look at the year. Look at it. Break it down monthly. Then you break it down monthly. And it's like, well, it's not that bad. Right? So how we hire a real estate team is this. And this is really when I got my mindset out of it. For You're going to hire your first RP1, Realtor Partner 1, which is kind of handle more paperwork and more process to take that off. When you're doing three to four transactions, you should have one RP1 for every three to four transactions. And he broke it down really simple. Three to four transactions. If you're making 10000 a deal, that's thirty to forty grand. You can afford $3,000 a month. When it breaks it down that simple, it changed my mindset. I became to see that employees were an asset that could allow me to grow business, right? They allowed me to grow business and have time, all right? So what do those RP1s do? First thing they do is your email. Email is the biggest distraction. Take that and hand it off to someone else. I still remember my first hire that handled my email. I was literally like, copy me on every 
email. I want to see everything. I literally do not look at an email anymore. If there's an email I need to respond to, they literally print it out, put it on my desk, and I pick up the phone and call. If you get an email, it's going to be distracted. You're going to be all over the place. All right? They need to keep you on your schedule. All right? I love chasing squirrels. Literally, if someone's not keeping me in line, I am all over the place. There's no way I'm making my phone calls and getting it all done. All right? You need to keep you on their schedule. The database. There's no way you're going to have happy hours, client events, make your phone calls if they don't keep your database in order. That needs to be tight. Your buyer files. They need to have all your appointments lined up. Map out where you're going. Have the MLS sheets printed out. That all needs to be ready for you. Seller files. They need to have the listing agreement ready, printed, so you can sign it on day one. All right? Sign it on day one. They need to have the comps pulled. I know so many people out there are still pulling comps on their own. Hand that off to your team. Have them shadow train you. Then hand it off. They can do it. As you continue to grow your team... As you're going from three to four deals to six to eight, you start dividing these things off. There'll be one assistant that does this email schedule database, one that does buyer and seller files. Then you'll split up the buyer and seller files and so on and so forth. You continue to obviously branch off some of these tasks. Then you're going to need some help with buyer leads and showing properties. So you're going to need a showing assistant or a realtor partner to an RP2 buyer agent to help you with the buyer leads. That's, that's very time consuming. So you need them to help you with that. You have to have a clear hiring and training process. Literally, when I started hiring people, I was like, I couldn't believe that someone would actually come and interview with me. I was like, they, they chose me? They chose to come work? I would like sell them like crazy at my company. And my best, best, and one and only hiring question was, when can you start? <laughs> it's changed. I now have a hiring process. All right, we have a hiring process where we're hiring a lot better people. I have team involvement in the hiring process. You need to have a training process. I had zero training process. Literally, the training process was go get them. There was no training process. I hired more experienced people. I've kind of changed. I would rather have inexperienced people where I can train them my way. Lead and delegate the team. I was so busy still as I'm hiring a team. I wasn't having a team meeting. Daily team meeting. And my delegating would be, I literally would run in and throw a file and be like, hey, take care of that. Just do this. Yeah, hey, just just get me that file ready. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. I said just do it so much, my team thought we were team Nike and not team Puma. <laughs> I have changed. I have changed. We now have a team meeting. We literally delegate to a T. I know I'm not going to go on on delegation as Josh talked about it the other day. And then eventually as your team grows, I now have 14 people on the team. Don't jump to this state. This is like graduate level stuff. You will add levels of management. So you're going to have a team captain. You're going to have a director of ops. You're going to have a director of sales. So Rick really helped me with this. My wife was still working at the bank. And I said, Rick, I want my wife to come work with me. All right. How much does she make? I said, you know. Around 250. She was SVP, managing 110 people, doing really well. He's like, here's the deal. You have to bring in $20,000 more per month over your dashboard. Once you do that, it will not change your family income. So I did it, got the three months. 
She came to work with me and it's been a game changer. She is just all about systems and processes and numbers and just really helps me lead and delegate the team. And that levels of management, I have my brother as director of sales, it just stops distractions from coming through me. So they help distractions. So I can focus my time and attention literally just on selling and meeting people. That's all I do every day. I have my morning meeting. I sell and meet people, buy sellers on the phone, meeting with them all day. All right. And that's what I love to do. I hated paperwork. I hated paperwork. So I got away from it. And that's really my business exploded. I have RP1s that just take so much better care of my clients, so much better care of them. And I can just focus on sales, which is my forte. They love paperwork. They love process. My wife loves numbers. So everyone's on the right seat in the bus. We have an unbelievable team. So what I'm going to talk about next is really after I did this and I started doing the profit and loss, I started getting relationship-based business and I hired a team. Things started changing. My hours started going down. My life started changing. That's when I started to get balanced. All right, that's when I started to get balanced. So I went from one part-time person in 2012 and now I have 14 team members. My volume went from 10 million, like Rick said, and I was at that glass ceiling. It's now going to be almost 130 million this year. 130 million. This one's still tough for me to look at. 200,000 is where we're at, and that's where we'll end up this year. I never, ever, ever imagined that in my life. Never imagined it. Thank you. So I did save some money um, early, so I wasn't, you know, broke, a bunch of credit card debt. So I saved it, but I wasn't doing it on a monthly basis. I had 300000 at the time. I had 300000 at the time. And literally, when I look at savings, it's really the compounding invested in the market. And that's what really Rick has taught me, is have it in the market, and that's really when it grows. It took a while to get to that first million, but I'll tell you right now, because having it in the market, the second, and it just continues to grow. And literally, when I look at this number, this is what I thought I would have when I needed to retire. But I'm not retiring. I'm going to continue to go. I'm going to continue to go. So my home value, at the time, in 2012, when I met Rick, my house was about 450. We're currently building our brand new home that's going to be in the value of about $4 million. Um, it's a super stressful process. We're almost done. I can't wait. And we'll be in our house. But... It's just crazy to see those changes. My hours, they went from 75 to 45. All right, 75 to 45. And that's what's given me the balance was that team and reducing those hours down. So now I can coach my son's sports, you know, at the point where I literally could not be there to have family dinners and tuck them in. During lacrosse season, I leave at 3 o'clock to go coach middle school lacrosse. I can do that now. This is one where we won a middle school championship last year. Matthew, I look forward. We're going to win it again this year, bud. We're going to win it again this year. So, Like Rick had mentioned, my wife coaches uh, my daughter's uh, varsity cheer team. So she has the time to do that. And literally with cheer, it's so tough for them to get gym time. It's like during the day, like she has to go and do it. But we have a balanced life where she can go do that and coach her cheer team. This one's super tough for me to look at. So I go back. So when the kids were first born, I couldn't be there. I wasn't in, I mean, at the hospital, I literally 
was on my computer, on my computer, on my phone. I would literally leave while my wife was still there with our new babies when they were born to go show property. This was obviously prior to the court when they were born. And it was so, so tough. But I had to go do business. I had to support the family. And I just figured, hey, they're young. We'll figure it out. So when my daughter was nine years old, she was diagnosed with scoliosis. She started to get a curve in her back. So we were like, what do we do? We were just trying to find doctors all over the country, all over the country, to be able to make sure we keep that her back straight and not get to the point where she needed surgery. We did everything. And the Corps allowed me to have the time and the money to find the best doctors. We able to keep it from not getting bad really quickly. But unfortunately, in 2019, it got to the point where she needed a spinal fusion surgery. So that is the second slide there. But when she's in the hospital this time, I was there. There was no computer. There was no cell phone. I was able to be there for the whole day of surgery. I didn't leave the hospital that night or the night after. I stayed there. I was able to stay in the hospital. I didn't have my computer. I didn't have my phone because my team took care of everything. We were able to find her the best surgeon. All right, we were able to find her the best surgeon to be able to do this. Prior to surgery, they had no idea. They were like, not sure if she's ever going to be able to tumble again. She loves tumbling, loves cheer. She's worked her butt off, and she now can flip again and tumble. I'm not sure what all those flips are called, but she can flip again, and she's back to cheerleading again. This was vacation 2012, prior to the core. That's me on the phone, obviously, and that's my wife, obviously, not too happy, pushing the kids around. So it wasn't a fun vacation. We were in Disney, yes. But I was on the phone 90% of the time. They were alone. Kids were still happy, though. They were still good. So that was vacations prior to me having a team and meeting the Corps. My wife and I, prior to the Corps, really went on zero vacations together. Zero. Here's a vacation that we've had together. We now just celebrated 22 years of marriage. This is our vacations now. We can afford really nice vacations. We have fun. Again, no cell phone. Um, and the Corps allowed me to do that, right? The Corps allowed me to do that. So with being able to tighten everything up. But I'll tell you right now, to be able to keep that balanced life, I'm going to go back to the wheel of life that we did. You always have to set goals and get better. Because if you don't, you will not stay stable. All right? You will fall. You will fall. And you won't stay balanced. So to be able to stay balanced, you need to be able to continue to have someone to hold you accountable to those life goals. And that's everything. All right. So if you do not want to fall and you want to be balanced and have it all, I need you to stand up. Stand up if you want to be balanced and have it all. Every one of you needs to have the core and stay with the core to have a balanced life and continue to do it. Thank you very much. Stay up there a minute, Bill. I've never seen anybody make them give you a standing ovation. That was some slick Yes, thank you very much. That was some crap right there. That's like risky. He wasn't a good talker, so he's going to make you stand up. That was some trick shit right there. So, Phil, really quick, where do you see yourself in five years? In five years? I mean, my, my goal is just to reduce my hours down, but still be involved. I love what I do there. 200 I love what million, I do. 35 hours a week? Yep. Is that what you see? 
Let's do it. Okay, I like it. I like it too. I think now, when you start to get a foundation that's strong, you can start to see it getting better. But I'll tell you what. If I'm a realtor, he gave you a blueprint for everything you need to do. If you're a lender, I, I, just doing a monthly happy hour. If you're a lender and your lender wants and your realtor wants money from you, don't give them money. Fund their happy hours. Do you fund many realtors' happy hours? I fund a lot of realtors' happy hours. I would have no problem doing a happy hour with you. I get the mailing list. I write a letter with your name on it after endorsing how great I am. I will be glad to fund your happy hours. So I just think that there's better ways to build a mutual business relationship. So I think Phil has a great business. He has a great life. He's in my town. So this is not somebody that's not real. This is somebody that I see all the time. I mean, he's very. This is, he's got a very transparent business. Next up, this man's been with me 11 years. I would consider him one of my top five deepest friends. I think he's an unbelievable guy. He is a uh, deep thinker, to put it mildly. He, has, he thinks about things a lot. How many are like that? You think too much about stuff. You think too much about it. Just don't think about it. Just jump in and do it. But he's a deep thinker. For a long time, I called him Eeyore. You all know who Eeyore is? Oh, my God. I've only got 20 closings. Oh, my God. My kid only got an A. You know, he's a little bit of an Eeyore. He's working on it a lot. I got to tell you, biggest heart, everybody loves him. He has a great business. He's out in La La Land. He's in like Northern California. You know, every house is like $5 million. I think everybody's rich out there, but he's from Northern California. Him and his wife, Kim, and his two boys, some of my favorite people, they came out this summer and rented an Airbnb lake house on Lake Norman. And we hung out. And you know, I'm, I'm like known for this super workout freaks. I'm pretty tough. And so Hunter's got these boys, really tough high school. I mean, these are high school football players and they're tough. And he thinks he's going to sick them on me, okay? He thinks he's going to turn these California sissies on me, let me tell you. I lit them boys up like they'd never been lit up before. I kept back like, oh, this is good. I'm exhausted, but I'm pretending I'm still fired up. I crushed his boys. And I'm like, Hunter, you going to work out with us? No, I'm going to go jogging. So my man Hunter has a great business, $200 million loan rep, $200 million. He's a monster loan rep, got a really big team. Uh, does, I mean, he's just a rep. He just does a lot of loans and has a team. I think he just got a branch recently, but it's never really been on his radar. But I got to tell you, he is a great lender and he runs a great team. And I love everything about him and his life. My man Hunter Marquardt, give it up. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, I am fired up to be here. I, I'm honored to be here. I, I, I actually forgot the speaker's name, the football coach. He stood in front of all of, all of us when, when he spoke. Say again? Anyway. Um, and what, but he started off by saying it's an honor to be here, and it truly is an honor for me to be here. I have, I mean... Do I have a little anxiety? I do, because I've got so many people that I love and respect in this room. Literally, I think the only people that aren't in this room that I love and respect are my two boys and my wife, Kim, because they've got a playoff game tonight, and they couldn't, we couldn't risk them, uh, miss, miss, well, one missing the game, but Kim missing it as well. So um, I have to tell you, so Rick is correct. I'm a deep thinker. I'm a bit of a whack job, uh, and when I get hit with the title of having it all with balance, I go like park bench style, like, what does it mean to have it all with balance? What does it mean to have it all with balance? And, and that's what, you know, I'm like, I've got to make this 
talk relevant, what does it mean to have it all with balance? So Kim and I are meeting with um, our financial advisor last Saturday, and he says he's, he knows all about the core. He's very impressed with everything that's happened. And he says, um, well, Kim says to him, hey, he's got a, Hunter's got a big talk coming up in uh, Arizona on, on Friday. And Ryan says, well, what's the topic? And I said, well, it's, it's having it all with life balance. And Ryan and Kim made eye contact and literally started belly laughing. <laughs> and then Kim looks at me and says, honey, I could make that speech up in two, two words, fake news. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I'm like, I've been thinking about this as a deep thinker for a few months now, right? So that's not the confidence I want from the woman that is supposed to love me. So I can tell you this. Yes, I don't think I have life balance, and no, I don't think I have it all. With that being said, having to go through this exercise to do this talk has helped me understand that I have more life balance, and I do have it all more though, more so than I ever anticipated. I also think a lot of people in this room have more than they think they do, and we need to have a little more gratitude for that. So... Um, I want to start with just the beginning of the journey. So that is, where's the slides? There we go. Um, 2010, the start. So actually, before I even tell you about that, so here's where my head was. I actually asked Kim for a picture of our family in 2010. I hate that picture. I look like an idiot. Um, but... But I can also, but I can also tell you, there's a look in my eye. When, you, when you're as whacked out as I am and you think as much as I do, you know the different looks on your faces. So that face is a face of fear. And it's a fear, it's a face of doubt. It's a face of feeling like a fraud. Um, when I got into this, I mean, I literally, I had purchase volume of $14 million, right? So, so that is, you can't be in a room with a bunch of people. Like I'm thinking of my first summit sitting in the back of, I was literally, I wasn't in this room, but we were in Arizona. I was back there. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm a fraud. I don't, I, I shouldn't be here. My, pers- my, my income was $200,000. My net worth was four fifty. I have no idea how many hours I worked because I didn't track anything. But $200, you would say, hey, $200 is not bad. The $200 was going to $100 and then going to zero. The, the four fifty was all in a 401k, similar to Phil. I, you know, my dad taught me to max my 401k out at the age of 21, so that was the one saving grace. But we were living off of an equity line that was blowing, that was coming to an end. So, bottom line is, I, I came here thanks to, where's Zach Cooper? Zach, thank you, right? I mean, this whole, like, what a run. Zach's been here 13, you, have to, you talk about some credentials. Zach's been here 13 years. I've been here 11 years. But I was on a, like, there's, there's two groups of folks that are here. There's, there's people that come to their first summit with this desire to grow, and they're already hitting on all cylinders, and things are they're crushing it. They did level one, they did level two, now they're ready for level three. And then there's people that need a lifeline. And I was in the second camp. I needed a lifeline. I was going to make a decision, literally going to make a decision to go back into a job. I was in software before I got in the mortgage business. I had a mental breakdown on the freeway when I was 28 years old. Two weeks later, I was in the mortgage business. But I was in a mor- the mortgage business without a plan. Literally, the only sales training I've ever had in my career was a little guy when I was 22 years old selling Nextel phones who would... I swear he just sat in his office and snorted cocaine and he'd get on his radio and go, Hunter, I just want you to go out there and kill that pig, kill that pig, kill that pig. <laughs> and 
that was that was that was all I knew coming into like I had no I, I truly had no training. So it's not that I didn't it's not that I didn't work hard. I just didn't have a plan. And you know, so fast forward 11 years. Here's where we are today. I have nine team members. I have two LOs. Like Rick said, I have a small branch. And to a lot of people out there, I have been the least happy comparing myself to other people that have different business models. Be you with your business model. It doesn't mean that you don't grow, but be cool with who you are and your business model. We don't all need to be the biggest producers in this room. Personal production. Uh, Rick was shy by 80 million. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, personal productions, 280 million. By the way, it's a really good year to have to, to get up on stage and do this talk. Um, income was three and a half million bucks for the last couple of years. Cash net worth has grown from, you know, 450 to 401k to 6.7 million. And I can tell you that I honestly work 45 hours a week. So the, you know, for me to stand here in the trajectory of what's taken place in my life, it's honestly, it's unbelievable. I don't always think that it's unbelievable. So, I finished 2020, and I want to tell you that I probably had less gratitude. Like, I look at the volume, I look at the units, I look at the money, and I was actually super pissed off and annoyed with the business. Is, can, is anyone else, did anyone else feel that way? Like, like okay. Um, so I took it upon myself to, I, I realized, like, this isn't right. So I wrote a letter to myself. And I basically scrapped the volume, I, I scrapped the numbers, wrote a letter to myself, and it was only about my mindset and having gratitude. I want to read the letter to you because I think it's important for all of us. So if you could bear with me, it's a, it's a few minutes. And what I also have to say is crazy. I had no idea that I was going to be doing this talk when I wrote this letter. I wrote this letter at the beginning of 2001. So, 2001, 2020, Jesus, January of 2021 is when I wrote this letter. <laughs> I learned about this talk in May. Okay, there we go. Dear self, you work really hard. You've turned out to be a pretty decent guy by most people's standards. You have an amazing wife and you have two boys who love you a ton and look up to you. You have a network of friends that is beyond description, both personally and professionally. You've created a life for yourself that has turned out to be pretty freaking amazing. Most of the things you put your mind and heart into have turned out the way you wanted them to. You are living a great life. My issue with you is that you don't enjoy the ride. You're rarely present enough to sit back and look at what surrounds you. You have a propensity to be a fault finder versus a good finder in yourself and others. The glass is half empty versus half full. You anticipate negative events in the future that haven't taken place yet, which makes you borderline nuts. Here is the good news because I am in fact you. I forgive you for the grumpy side, the negative side, the Eeyore side. Thank you, Rick. With that said, forgiveness and acceptance are two different things, and we're making changes for the better in 2021. Here are some points you're going to focus on in 2021 to make sure you're making progress. One, you will have fun in 2021. You've never made this a priority, but you need to relax and have some fun. Having fun is not a bad thing. You can have fun and work hard at the same time. You think if you're not grinding, you're not worthy of your job, and you're wrong. Have fun. Two, you will smile more in 2021. Sounds simple. It's not for you. No one will ask you in 2021 what's wrong by the look on your face. I literally had two women in three weeks at grocery, well, one was at Costco, one was at a grocery store, ask me what's wrong with me. Like, I, I swear to you, one lady that looked just like JJ, she had a tattoo in her eye, she's like, why are you so angry? I'm like, she like, she chased me around while I was trying to eat a hot dog, which I shouldn't have been doing. 
And so anyway, we ended up talking for five minutes. She's actually a really nice lady, but very strange. Three, you will take care of yourself first in 2021. It sounds selfish. It's not. Your priorities start with what is most important to you. You taking care of yourself physically and mentally is your number one priority. You need to remind yourself of what your priorities are when evaluating where you're spending your time. Four, you'll take life less serious in 2021. This is different than having fun. You need to relax more. Don't get yourself all worked up over silly items that have no real relevance to your life. You will focus on what you have and not what you do not. What you have is in abundance, and to look at it any other way is selfish. Lighten your load, brother. Chill. Five, you will be present with Kim and the boys. You've always said one of your favorite quotes was from Jim Bass when he said, Does your family get the best of you or the rest of you? 2020, they got the rest. 2021, they're getting the best. You noticed just yesterday when you purposefully engage with both of them, they stick around and engage right back. Jack has one year left at home. Engage. I love you, and we got this. We just need to focus on it more than any time in the past. You're 46. You're not having this conversation again at 47. You need to remind yourself on a daily basis how good this life is and how much you have to be thankful for. You have to enjoy the ride. When you're hitting on all cylinders, when your gratitude and joy meters are maxed out, you're so much happier and you love life so much more. So knowing that and having that clarity, why would you choose to go through life any other way? Please print this, make three copies, laminate it, and keep it on your desk at work next to your big chair at home and in your car. Read it every day. With love and appreciation, Hunter. So... How many people could use a letter to yourself, right? I mean, I'm telling you, it's seriously, I read it every day. It truly is in my office. So when I think of what it means, like, to have it all, if I live my life by that letter and I think of what the core has done for me, Rick cares really about his primary focus is you make more money, you save more money, you give more money away. He's not into the, the, the soft stuff, which this letter might be considered. With that being said, iron sharpens iron. It's what we also talk about. And like literally everyone in this room, my, the people that I love so much, they make me think differently. And that's why I have the, 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 even the comprehension to write a letter like that to myself. So now I want to go on to, um, my journey, but I want to make this useful for everybody. So I want you to think about what I'm talking about and I want you to, Honestly, I want you to write some things down. I, I, there's, there's five words. When I, when I think of my transformation through the core, the first word I want you to write down is clarity. The second word is priority. The third word is belief. The fourth word are tactics. And the fifth word is accountability. So when I think of my, the, the number one thing that I have clarity on now more so than ever was when I was, I was, we were on a coaching the coaches call and Rick said to draw a bullseye. And the point of the right, drawing the bullseye was to write down what was most important to you in your business. And for me, I had always gone client, business partner, team. If you walked away with one thing from this talk, it is that your team is your number one priority. You are a direct, your team is a direct reflection of you and the leadership that you provide them. So if we're not happy with how our teams look right now, it's on us. Here's the, here's my general thought. If you take care of your team, if you love your team like they are part of your family, then your team will communicate with your clients 
at a different level. Your clients will then rave to your business partners about how exceptional you are, and then they will be more addicted to referring you first above and beyond anyone else. So make sure that you understand that your team's first. Second thing, when, this is nine years ago, I was in a class with Sigmund, and he was talking about, um, he was talking about clients and understanding what your ideal client looks like. One of the greatest things about understanding what your ideal client looks like is understanding what your ideal client does not look like so you can see them when they're walking in the door, right? I took it a step further and went, what does my ideal business partner look like? What does my ideal client look like? What does my ideal team member look like? And I just wanted to read you real quick so you have some, like a homework assignment, a tactic is everyone needs to understand and review what their ideal client, what their ideal team members look like. So number one, Client service above all else. If I was a client, how would I feel right now? Two, owns it. Jumps in, owns it. First to respond and is always peeking around the corner. Thank you, Lisa Wells. Three, positive. No energy suckers. Have fun. Four, team player. All in, all the time. Shows up prepared and positive for every team meeting. Five, understands the value of reputation. Proud of themselves and proud of the team they are part of. Six, complete wow experience. Wow plus one in everything we do. So those are our ideal... That's what our ideal team member looks like. It's what our core values are. And it's not what I always had, right? I have, where's Bridget and Erica? So will you guys stand up? So Bridget is my executive assistant. She's been with me for five and a half years. She has all the regular duties of the, what the core says, but the team calls her Elmer because she's literally the glue to our team. She's amazing. Erica is my team captain. She's been with me nine and a half years. It was important enough for them to see this, that they came out to, to, to watch this. So Erica will at some point take over the business. She's, she, her job, as far as she's concerned, her job is to execute on everything that I promise people will do. So thank you guys for coming. I gave one of my coaching students last month um, the assignment because he's having huge team issues. And I asked him to go back to his team and identify what they consider to be an ideal leader. And I would tell all of you to do the same thing. Give yourself the homework assignment to go back and ask your team members what they consider to be the ideal leader. I'm just going to run through here real quick. High integrity. Makes you feel empowered. Understands work-life balance. Prioritizes personal development. Shows gratitude and recognition. Communicates effectively with purpose. Empathetic and respectful. Some, this is my favorite one. Somebody that is in the trenches with you, it's our problem and we'll figure it out. Not it's your problem, you figure it out. So when you do this exercise, I was teaching a class yesterday and I came to the realization that there's two things, it, it, there's two reasons it's such an amazing exercise. One is you're going to have your team tell you what they consider an ideal leader. Two, they're going to tell you what you're not. Right? So anything, like it's what they wish you were. So just think about that. Okay, so... Clarity, that my team is my number one priority. Number two, I need you to believe. Okay, we talk about beliefs. I started this off as a sales pitch. It was literally a sales tactic and very effective, by the way, where I would tell business partners, I need you to believe that you will make more money with me as your business partner or we should not work together. And that's like it was just I said it over and over again. I didn't necessarily believe it. But I said it, right? It's a great sales tactic. I need you to believe, and then I would say, I need you to believe that you will be more successful with me as your business partner, 
or we shouldn't work together, I would also ask you to see, does your existing lender make you feel the same way, right? So it's like anytime you can sabotage your competition, that's how you do it. You get people thinking about, well, that, Mike, they don't do that. So, but it's turned into three things for me. I need my business partners to believe that they will make more, make more money and be more successful with me in their life or they shouldn't use me. I need my clients, and I say this every single day to my clients because I talk to my clients every single day when I convert my leads. I need you to believe that you have a greater chance of getting into a home with us doing your loan or we shouldn't work together. And with my team, I need my team to believe that they are going to have a better life with me as the leader of the team or they shouldn't be a part of the team. And when I was thinking about this class, I was like, there's only one more that's more important than all of the other ones that I didn't really think of, which is I need to believe that. I need to believe all three of those things to be true. And I don't think, I didn't always. Like when I started in the core, if you look at those five words and you had to put numbers associated with each one of them, is it, you know, are you a, when I started in the core, I was a one on all five of those numbers. Now, I mean, I think different numbers. I think our team is actually exceptional. So I'll give myself a, an eight as a leader. The other ones, maybe five, six. But bottom line is, is you have to believe that you can do this. You have to believe that you will impact your business partners, your clients, and your team. I want to talk about, whoop. Oh, I got a little screwed up here. Okay. Um, I want to talk about tactics. I want to talk about my all-time favorite tactics, just in three different categories. My business, well, my clients, my business partners, and my team. For clients, and I literally, I called Lisa Wells because I felt like this was so stupid, and I couldn't really say it. And she said, "No, you you should." And it's like I, I get, like some people get hemorrhoids. I get like crazy self-doubt. So. Um, <laughs> So I, 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 so I called Lisa about it, and she's like, Hunter, just do it. So here's my point. The first tactic isn't really a tactic. The first tactic is that you need to be a pro. You cannot close. If you don't close a loan on time, all the lunch and learns, all the happy hours, all of the thank you notes, whatever, they don't matter. So just make sure before you even do anything that you close a loan on time and you do it well. My tactic that works the best for me in my market, customized pre-approval letters. My guess is that sounds really stupid. Here's what happens every time we customize a pre-approval letter. We talk to the client, right? We confirm that the client is still using our business partner. It gives me the opportunity to tell them we're going to make the offer and we're going to go in at this price and here's what I'm doing next. I'm calling the listing agent, which is the second tactic, attacking the listing agent, and I'm going to tell the listing agent why you're the right buyer why I'm the right lender, why we have the buyer, right buyer's agent. It sounds like this. Mr. Smith, I wanted to let you know, John is pre-approved. We have him actually, we have him fully underwritten. We can close in 21 days. My job is to make you look like a hero for your seller. That makes me more useful. That makes that client feel like they have a greater chance of home ownership than someone else that is sending in a TBD once to a borrower and they don't even know what they're supposed to do with it. Hand it to their existing realtor, what are they going to do with it? So number one tactic for me, customize pre-approval letters. Number two is attack the listing agent. We literally, I like proof because you wonder if like, are people full of crap up here? Do they just talk? We just had the number one agent in Alameda, listing agent, email our, lend, or, or email our client and, and realtor saying, congratulations, your offer is accepted. 
Just so you know, you were $30,000 under the highest bid. We accepted your offer because of Hunter and the team doing the loan. That, but I'm just telling you, it's the, it's the proof of, I need you to believe that you will be, you have a greater chance of home ownership. Like that client believes that, right? The business partner believes that they are going to be more successful and make more money with our team doing the loan, right? So think about that. Um, LP two notes. This to me is just a, I'm going the wrong way. Um, are they, sorry, I'm looking at this thinking it's on that. Sorry about that. So LP two notes, uh, for six years, five years into the core, I thought my LP one, $18 an hour should be converting leads. That was super smart. Um, this document was an internal document and I know Roy, Roy will yell at me about how many line items there are on this, but this was an internal document that I, my team and I came to an agreement with because I, like every other salesperson, you know, I talk to a client and I'm like, yeah, they're good. They, they want to get a loan amount of 800 and they're going to buy, you know, whatever. I mean, I just like no information. The team's just like, what are you talking about? Right. So we created this, this in order to update my team on everything. It was a hundred percent internal client name, referral source. How do they know the referral? Are they shopping our business partner? personality type. Bottom line is, if, if I can answer every single one of these questions, which is a 20 to 25 minute conversation, I am more useful to my business partners. What happened with this is I was in a hurry. I forwarded it to Amy Locker and one of my top agents. And I said, hey, I'm so sorry to send this to you. It's an internal document, but I wanted to give you an update on the, on the uh, results of my conversation. She said, Hunter, it's the best, that's the best document I've ever seen. Please never not send it again. All of my, how many coaching students are in here that I coach? Where are you? How many are sending LP2 notes? Keep your hand up. Is it working? Like really well? Yes. So I would challenge everybody. You're competing against me, right? You forward a loan app and tell them that you'll review it when it comes back in. You reach out to the business partner and say, that's it. As soon as the docs come back in, I'll, I'll give you an update. For me, I have this conversation out of the gates. And what does it do for me? I don't want, I don't want to put crap into our system. I want to talk to clients that are, that want to work with us. I want to understand when I have this client, when I talk to this person every time, I get to understand how they were referred. Hey, before we get going, do you mind out, do you mind if you, do you mind telling me what Dana said about us? Right? How do you know Dana? Are they, are they an engineer? Are they getting pre-approved with four other people, right? If they are, I'm not going to go through the effort to pre-approve them. We've gone, like, since we started doing this, literally, our conversion ratios from when we started measuring them, they were originally from lead to close, our conversion ratios were 18%. I was just on a coaching call with Foreman last week. Our conversion ratios are at 39.7% now. This document, that's okay. This, I'm just telling you, this single document, with my, every single time a new business partner gets this, they end up calling me, what, what do you mean? Like, what, are, what do you mean are they shopping the business partner? Well, I just wanted to tell you, I ask them in general, I'm trying to feel them out with how did they meet you? I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to upsell you because I want to you know if I can make you look better, it's better coming from me than from you. So the bottom line is like, use LP2 notes. Why are you laughing? Huh? Sorry. Um, this is my... This is my version 
of holding myself accountable. And I want to go back and talk about the team a little bit more, too. For me, I don't always do well with accountability. Like when, I'm not, Rick will be the first one to tell you, I'm not a great soldier. I honestly wish I was a better soldier than I am, but I'm not. With that being said, when you hold me accountable to, like, for me, the biggest, the, the worst word that I can think of in the dictionary, the last thing in the world that I ever want to be to anybody is a fraud. Like, like a fraud is, is, Rick did this exercise, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Intentionality versus actuality, right? Like, the intentionality is what you say you're going to do. The actuality is what you're actually doing. When it's here, then you, like, you're being the right person. When it's here, you're so off track, it's unbelievable. So, like, when I am, I think of my team, right? I talk to my team about the fact that I need, they need to believe they're going to have a better life with me as their leader Yet I, in the beginning, I canceled, I don't know, half my team meetings, right? I mean, I, I literally would, I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know about Big Rocks. I would cancel half of them. I would tell them, um, you know, I'll get you a coffee if I canceled the meeting. I wouldn't even show up with a coffee. So just like, that's, that's out here, right? Like, why would you follow that guy? Then all of a sudden things start changing, right? Like we start investing in their college funds for their kids, right? We start going like this. We start doing team meetings every single... This is the biggest tactic that I could ever... Should I read it? Hunter, this is your better self. Be the best soldier. Hunter. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Plus, honestly, I got enough like anxiety. I actually just read it going like, what is he saying? Not realizing it was you telling, never mind. Oh, boy. Okay. I'll try to turn this around a little bit. So I do want to talk very seriously about team tactics because I believe that it is everything. And it's unbelievable to me how many people don't do it. Team meetings. You have to have team meetings every single day. And on Mondays for me, it has to be the wheel of life. We go through the wheel of life every single Monday. The agenda on our Monday team meeting is, how's your weekend? Book report. We pick a book. You pick one, one chapter a week. Everyone picks out one thing that they like about it. Books like Unf Yourself. I mean, they're motivational books. Gets the team talking. Um, and then we go through the wheel of life and Michelle on our team who loves being accountable to holding everybody, you know, what are you working on this week? Did you do it? Like knocking it off next week? Like that stuff to me, like people would say they're too busy for it, right? You're too busy to have a 30 minute meeting on the personal interests of your team members. Okay. Erica and Bridget are here. They know that I made three and a half million dollars last year, right? They didn't make three and a half million dollars last year. So if I don't, in a 40-hour work week, 30 minutes is 1.2% of your work week. So if you think about it like that, do Erica and Bridget deserve 1.2% of my time at least with, like, with some actual care versus saying, let's rush through this exercise? They do, right? So you have to do stuff like that. The other thing is, Rick, I mean, I don't have a single coaching student doing it right now. You talk about investing. Right? You talk about how many people, I mean, like, please do be active. Raise your hands. How many people look at their team's money? They don't talk about the stock market. They review their budget. 
Okay. It is a game-changing activity. And, it, like, everyone's uncomfortable with it. I was uncomfortable with it. You just have to ask your team if they want help, period. I have – I don't know how this girl – we weren't paying attention to her. She's our processor. So the corporate, corporate dealt with her first. And then all of a sudden she came in on our, on our team. But I didn't treat her like a team member until we got a, a – we got a note from the processing manager that she was looking for more time with our team. So I reached out to her. I told her we're kind of weird. We do this wheel of life. We do this stuff. I sent it to her. I'm reading it. By, she, she fills it all out, on, and she comes back to me on Monday. I'm flying, or on Tuesday, I'm flying out. She rated herself a one and a two in every single section of the wheel of life. And then at the bottom of it was the biggest thing she had to work on was paying off debt and trying to save $10,000. I then email her from the plane to say, hey, one, I appreciate your vulnerability. Two, would you want to do a personal budget with me? I would be more than happy to do that if you want to. Her response was, Hunter, if it's okay with you, I would love to do that. I've never done a budget before, and I need to save money. So all you have to do is ask. I don't think anyone even asks their team, because I'm just telling you, like with Bridget and Erica, it's been a game changer in our lives. They both have more money because of it. And I'm now doing it. Rick said, you know, 500 bucks a team member. I offered my team 500 bucks. They're all now doing their personal budgets with me. It's a game changer. So that to me is the intentionality versus the actuality. When you're, when you're this with your team, they will do anything for you. It's why we have, it's, you think it's soft maybe, or Rick thinks it's soft. For me, it's a 39.7% conversion ratio because they are part of the family. So here's the deal. When I have clarity, right, when I have clarity that my number one priority is my team, when I, have, when I have clarity on my belief system and what it needs to be, when I have clarity on the priority, when I have clarity on the tactics that work, and when I allow my team to hold me accountable to be the leader that I'm supposed to be, that's what happens. Like, to me, that's the evolution. So thank you for listening. Um, I want to finish with this. So... There's nothing like the development of your kids to see the progression of how fast things are moving. Um, so I, it's, it's my favorite picture, the little guys. The, the one on the right, Jack and Thomas. So Jack's 50, 58, Thomas is 63. These guys, Jack was, Jack's a junior, I'm sorry, Jack's a senior. Thomas is a sophomore. Last year, Jack's team was 0-7. They sucked. They had a horrible coach. This year, they get C.J. Anderson as a coach. I don't know if anyone knows who C.J. Anderson is. C.J. Anderson uh, went to a junior college. He went to, uh, then went to Berkeley, then went undrafted, tried out for the Broncos, got on the Broncos, won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, and, got put in the, and was put in the Pro Bowl. Now he's coaching our kids. So they, he is crushing them. They are working, like in the summer, they are literally working out four to five hours a day. Parents, kids are crying. Parents are pissed off. So, so C.J. Anderson calls a meeting with all the parents. And we're sitting in there. C.J. comes in. He looks at all the parents and he says, I understand people are upset about your kids. Just so we're on the same page, I'm not lowering my expectations of your kids because you have lower expectations of them than I do. So if you don't want them to play for me, that's on you. But I'm not taking my bar down. So when I think of, when I think of the core, 
right? I mean, I'm just thinking, like, is that Rick Ruby in there? Like, he looks, <laughs> he looks different. When I think of the core, though, and I think of Rick Ruby, like, for 11 years, Rick Ruby has not allowed me to compete at any lower level that I was willing to put myself in. He's always held me to a higher bar. He's held everyone in this room to a higher bar. I can't, like, the gratitude that I have, Rick, for you, the gratitude that I have for the people in the, this room, the gratitude I have for my life experience in the last 11 years, it's not really, I can't, it's, it's, it's not describable. It truly can only be felt. So thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to be up here. I love you guys. So I think I'm going to start writing you letters every week. I really like that. Did you like the letter from you? Did it scare you? Uh, yes. If you guys don't know, like when Rick starts, I mean, like, if Rick doesn't want you on stage, you're getting yanked. And you're letters, getting are not, let, letters are not good. <laughs> I thought that might rattle you a little bit. See, Hunter is very prepared, very nervous. He doesn't like it. So I have to rattle him a little bit when he's up here. The letter's good, don't you think? Be a better soldier. Yeah. Cool. So let me ask you all a question. Phil, come up here a minute. Philly. So, if you're a realtor, where do you not want to live? Charlotte, North Carolina. Raise your hand if you're a realtor. You do not want to move to Charlotte, North Carolina and compete with Phil Puma. He is funny. He is charming. He is organized. He has a really good team. He's crushing it. And let me tell you, if you're in like Snootyville, what do we call the town you're in? Danville. We're in Danville, Snootyville, USA. If you're in Snootyville, USA, you do not want to compete with Hunter Marquardt if you're a lender. So listen, I'm telling you this. I think both you do a great job. I'm honored to have you both in my life. I both consider you my friends. I thought you did a great job. I thought it was wonderful. Thanks. You're sweating. Oh my God. It's like <laughs> flowing water into my hand. Did you do, did he do a dance move when he came up here? You know what that means? That means he's nervous. Now let me tell you, oh, that's nice. So let me tell you this. Hunter was a, what were you as a child? Break dancer. By the way, I did not want to, like, Sigmund told me I wasn't Christian if I didn't break dance. I'm like, I've kind of, I, 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 You've outgrown I'm, it? I'm outgrown it. One move. Oh, there you go. I like it. Normally, in the old days, if I had him do a talk, he had to do that first, just because he was so nervous. He needed a little applause. I thought you did a great job. No, I don't want us to go. I thought you did an awesome job. A ton of Thank tactics. I'm you. proud of you both. Thank you, Thank you guys. You. Get out of here. Right. Good job, both of you. Gosh, it's like... And honestly, I wish I could take all the credit for their growth, but it's the coaches they're coaching with, the peers they're on calls with, the competition. It's basically the greatest scripture in Proverbs, which is iron sharpens iron as men sharpen men. And I think that if you hang with eagles, you will learn to soar. And if you hang with dogs, you will get fleas. And I think that is a philosophy in the life. You all never heard that before? Is it not true? Okay. Now, some of you... Honestly, as you came in the room, you clearly needed a flea bath. I think that some of the people you're hanging out with in your industry 
you need to drop? How many need to drop some of the people that are in your industry that you're hanging out with? Stay out of some of your company meetings. Stay out of some of the stuff you're around. You need to be around people that want to make money and they want to be good. I mean, being good is hard. These both guys are working on being good. I know both their wives. I know all their children. They're working hard to be good. Yes, they have been absent. How many have been absent from their children's activities and things? We all have. Yes, you have a little guilt for it. I mean, well, we'll get over it. You still got time. Like if they're in their 30s, you still got time to put some time into them. Okay. It's never too late to show a kid that you really care about them and be present. But Phil told you the truth. Be present all the time, wherever you are. I think Hunter is, do people really write letters to themselves? Is that like, is it a California thing or like everybody raised their hand. They wanted to write, I'm going to write you all letters and I'm going to be your better self writing you a letter. Be a better student. That's the letter. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.